Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 129, an Andy Marr free zone again. I know that disturbs a lot of people that you've got to listen to me, Mark Hayes, bring you what's happening in Australian golf, but rest easy. I'm surrounded by two absolute professionals. Stacey Peters, welcome along. Thank you for having me, Hazy. Thank you for the nice intro. Are you a professional media correspondent Definitely these days? Definitely not. Really? Definitely not. Love being involved, but that's as far as it goes. Are you still a professional golfer? I think technically. Yes, but, uh, you know, I'm happy to roll with whatever title you give me, Hazy. What's the world ranking at the moment? Have we checked that lately? Well, you used to give me updates. I think you stopped giving me updates when it went outside a 1,000, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Actually, let's uh, check that at lunchtime. Yeah, okay. I don't know if we can scroll down that far. (laughs) uh, A regular guest and the voice of reason on this panel, Martin Blake, welcome along. Hello, Hazy. It's funny. I I ran into Stace this week out at Kingston Heath at the Victorian Amateur, and I said to her, you know that they're filming Inside the Ropes this week, which is – I actually did think that because at some point later this year they are going to do that, aren't they? And we decided between us that clearly they were going to film this week because they had the best-looking panel because we've got rid of Andy. (laughs) I hope Andy's not listening to this. Oh, he will. I don't care. Uh, no, they've got rid of Andy and they brought in Stace Knight, but the ca- I can't see any cameras here, so. They must be coming. They must yeah. be on the way. I've put on my nice shirt as well. Stace said she, you know, any makeup or anything? Or? Oh, I, went, I checked the mirror before I come in, actually, so oh, a little think, disappointing mm. to not see the cameras yet. I think Ali Whitaker and Matt Cutler will be the most offended by the fact <laughs> oh. that they're not in there. I think Matt Cutler fancies himself. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding, Matty. We are approaching a, a, a really busy, busy time in the uh, Australian golf scene. Uh, we Today, that show is going to reflect that. We've got a million different things to touch on. Uh, I've had a chance to catch up with Jeff Ogilvie earlier in the week. We will talk, if things permit, to Grace Kim, the new one of two new Vic Amateur champions. And we'll also talk later in the show, thing, fingers crossed, to Jack Wilson, who's got something tremendous that he's doing with his famous locks. Uh, the dreads. The dreads. They could be in danger. The dreaded mm. dreads. Uh, we'll find out a bit more about that later. He's got a great cause that's dear to his heart these days in Challenge Cancer. We'll find out a bit more about that when we catch up with Jack Wilson later in the show. But, Blakey, we're recording this on Thursday, which is a little bit unusual. But in terms of news, it's worked out reasonably well for us because there's been some big President's Cup news overnight. Yeah, world number one, Brooks Kepka drops out because of his knee injury from the American team. So... That is, uh, you know, it's a blow to the Americans. They've got incredible depth. So the Tiger Woods, the captain, has brought in uh, Ricky Fowler, which probably doesn't surprise too many people. There are plenty of options there for him. But it is going to weaken the the U.S. team a little bit, I would imagine, to take a player of Kepka's, you know, brilliance out of the out of their team. Uh, you're a, you're an eternal optimist, so you're <laughs> going to tell me now that this 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 is the turning point and the internationals 
are going to dominate it. Oh, it's, it's, this it's, is what we need, you know. Sometimes you just need a couple of things to go your way. That's true. Yeah. That is true. But, you know, if the international team lost its top-ranked player and was forced to delve somewhere, we'd be picking someone in the 50th, 60th range of the world rankings. Yeah. Uh, they've just slotted in someone who's, I think, ranked number 17. Yeah. You know, it doesn't affect the stat that we've been running that all 12 of their players are in the top 22 in the world. And they couldn't quite fit in Jordan Spieth or Phil Mickelson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and, and looking at the, the stats that the US Tour provided this morning around this, um, the last time at the President's Cup at New Jersey, Brooks Kepka went two wins, two losses, no draws. Ricky went three wins, no losses, one draw. And things have, you have done changed. Some research things, there, oh, it's just off the top of my head, Stacey, you know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, no, in all seriousness. I mean, that's yeah. the depth that we're dealing with. So, yes, and I, if things were to pan out well for the international team, this could be a day that we look back on and say, you know, that's when it started. Because yeah. that, that is a big blow to lose the world number one. Let's not beat around the bush. But also, due respect to Ricky Fowler, he's a bloody gun. Yeah, that's exactly right. Look who they've replaced him with. Yeah, yeah. it's quite remarkable. Yeah. And, and popular in the, in the, in the change oh. rooms and uh, good at team golf. He's been got a good history in that. So. Yeah. And good under pressure. You know, he plays really well in the majors. So. And loves the sand belt. Has been here several times. So he came out and played the Master of the Amateurs. Yep. Did he win the Master of the Amateurs? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and he was, you know, he was, he was here um, a couple of years ago playing at Kingston Heath. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just hard work. We, we're, we're, we're pushing it uphill. I love Brooks Kepiko. I was desperate to see him here. We catch a break in terms of the world rankings, but we've still been steamrolled by a legitimately world-class player. So that's, that's all great. It's all good fodder for the tournament. Yeah. Um, and, Blakey, speaking of that, you and I, um, mm. we, we, we shouldn't brag, but what the hell. <laughs> we had the chance to go and play the composite course at Royal Melbourne uh, during this week. Uh, one of the reasons why we're recording on Thursday, we could shuffle the world around, but you don't get that opportunity very often. It was a media day down at Royal Melbourne. How did your group go? I know you were with a star-studded panel. We were uh, we were in the mix for a little while and then we fell right away. It was quite hot in Melbourne earlier in the week, so uh, the course looks terrific uh, and it's only going to get better. Yeah. Uh, it's very hot in Melbourne today as we speak, which is exactly what the course needs because these uh, sandbelt courses are actually better in summer. So it's quite early in the season, uh, but we're getting a bit of hot weather, which is good. And I know that you spoke to Jeff Ogilvy. I just think, uh, look, with Tiger naming himself. Uh, as a captain's pick, it's added probably 20% to the crowds that, that they're going to get and the TV ratings. And I know just looking at the overseas golf websites and that, they're all over the President's Cup already. It's mm. the tournaments that are on in America. I know the uh, European Tour Championship's on this week and there'll be some focus on that. But once that's gone, it really comes down to Australian Open, which is two weeks away as we speak, and then uh, the President's Cup. And it's going to be awesome. They, they're going to get 35 thousand people out there every day i reckon before we cross to hear what uh, i had to say with jeff ogilvy what he had to say to me rather um at royal melbourne on monday um i just wanted to make mention uh, one of your group uh was the one of the great female athletes in australian sporting history sherelle mcmahon yeah legendary australian netballer uh regularly goal attack sometimes goal shooter but always there thriving in the pressure i had a i my path crossed Stace with Blakey's group at one stage uh, on the back of four west and he was teeing off on three east 
And I, why did they cross? Were you crossing fairways, or were you? Uh, no, no, we were just in different parts of the draw, and I and I had already hung it on Blakey and Daniel Harford, and was it Maisie as well? Were you playing? Uh, no, it was. It was uh, leave that with me. I have to think about it. Um, f- beg your pardon to whoever that is, because we'll come back to that. But the, the Sherelle McMahon was the the. Uh, I was going to say the fourth in the group, but I think she's the first in the group. She stepped up to the women's tees, having told me earlier that she was not in the best of form, like she hasn't been playing as much as she'd like to with other commitments, being a mum and being around, uh, you know, all things to do with netball these days, stepped up onto that tee. I hadn't seen her hit a ball before. <laughs> Holy cow, can she whack a ball? Yeah, she's impressive. What actually. an athlete. Yeah. She um, hit it all over the place for about three holes. Then all of a sudden she started just to make pars. She was playing off about 24, I think. She doesn't have an official handicap. But her husband is a member at Latrobe and he's a golf Nut. So I, I would stay. She'd be proud of me. I was working on her as, as we went round because she was hitting it so well. I said, you, you have to come and play golf. You've got to join a club. <laughs> yeah. you know, Vision 2025 in action. I, Get her I, involved. Uh, yeah. What an athlete. Yeah, I have been fortunate enough to play a couple of pro-ams with her. And, yep. uh, yeah, she's a great player. I can't believe you said she's off 20-odd or something. Yeah, I Doesn't so. have an official oh, handicap. Bandit. So, yeah. Bandit. Uh, yeah, she's one of those. Yeah. yeah. And, and just to cap off what Blakey said before we hear Jeff Ogilvy, the course stace was... For us choppers, already brutal. Really? Um, the pins, a cup, they only put five or six in tricky positions. Yeah. But the greens are sufficiently hard that unless you're hitting from really close distance uh, and you can spin the ball, which rules out a lot, most amateur golfers, yeah. you can't access the pins. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a massive highlight to me then the difference between me and you yeah. because you have ability to control – the distance of the ball, the flight of the ball, the way it spins. Uh, if you haven't got that and you step out onto Royal Melbourne at the moment, Blakey, as we'll both attest, you're up the creek. Um, it's going it, to be a picture in three weeks' time. Is it yeah. awesome to you to see that when, you know, they start tricking up courses for big events? Yeah, I mean, I think it it, it is. It's great. It's uh, Yeah, it makes it tougher for the guys that get to go and play the media days. Thanks for rubbing that in there. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't mean to do that, no. Um, no, but I do, you know, because I think the tough of the course, you know, the cream will rise to the top. And yeah. Like, yeah, we might not see as many birdies and stuff, but this is how these golf courses are supposed to be played. Yeah. Oh. It's an end- endless source of fascination to me, Royal Melbourne, the composite course and, and the West course as well. Just the, you know, I heard Jeff Ogilvie speaking about it. He, he did a little little talk and he said, Royal Melbourne's, you know, I'm paraphrasing him here, so Jeff, text me if I, if I get this wrong. But he said, uh, it's a straightforward course to play if you stay in position. Uh, the implication of that is that if you get out of position, and I'm a 13 handicapper, Hazy, and you're, I don't know, what are you, seven or eight or something at the moment. So you do get out of position if you're not a, a great ball striker. Yeah. You get out of position and you end up three putting or four putting or, four, or putting it off the green. Uh, whereas if you're a really good player and you're playing well, you keep it under the hole and you can score. So that that's really what it is. And then you throw in the wind factor yeah. as well. We played it in good conditions. The third hole on the composite uh, par three, one of the best that's par tough. threes in, in the world. I, I hit my ball uh, mid-iron up to the back of the green. I had a 40-foot putt straight down the hill that I can putt off the green quite easily. Definitely. And I think out of our group, we took my ball because we are playing a sort of Jensen's thing. Uh, I think three of the four of us three putted it uh, because we're too scared, you know. Well, you um, you picked up a few shots on us there because my group on that same hole, which is five west, three in the President's Cup format of the composite course. Great we, golf hole. We took our best shot was had trickled back down off the front of the green. We had one over the back, which was just dead. You got no shot from over Oh, you the had back. to play from down the bottom. We played from the bottom and all four of us from that one spot 
made a double bogey five. We made four oh, wow. fives on a 160-metre par three that's got nothing in terms of um, hazards. There's no between water. The, there's no water. No, yeah. <laughs> no sand between the tee and the actual flag, and all four of us made fives playing the best drive. I mean, that sums it up to me. I mean, I know that there are some groups that made twos and threes in there, but it was hard yakker if you're in the wrong spot. And, and I'm, to me, the course is short. Uh, so that the pros can take full advantage of that uh, in comparison to some of the beasts they play overseas. However, um, where it's not a, where you do need length, so say on 18 East, which is going to be the 16th on the President's course, the traditional closing hole for all the famous tournaments at Royal Melbourne, the pin was down the front left. If you're not way, way, way up on the right side of the fairway, you're putting down a cliff for your, for your third, even if you hit the green and have a birdie chance. And I, I love it. Yeah, that green. It's it's fascinating, but it's deadly all at the same time. I'm I'm hearing a couple of things, Hazy. One that I read today is that um, Patrick Cantlay may be the uh, choice to play with Patrick Reid. Everyone's been wondering who they're going to put with Patrick Reid. That was one thing that uh, is coming out of America. And the other thing I heard while I was out there the other day is that the – and I haven't been able to confirm this, so I'll just – this is is what it is. But uh, I've heard that the tour, the US tour, which owns the event, has uh, put a – uh, limit on the stimp meter. Now, I don't know what that limit is. I'm guessing it might be, what are we going to say, 12 or 13? Well, they don't want it to get crazy. Well, Richard, I... Richard Forsyth last week in the podcast said that the aim was between 12 and a half and 13. So, yeah. okay. um, you know, that's fine. But on days like today, as we said, we're recording on Thursday. It's 70, 80 kilometre hour gust northerly winds. Um, He's I don't blowing know. an absolute hoolie yeah, out there. It is. It really is. Well, I imagine playing there today. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, it, it's that day that you've got to protect against. So I think they might start a little bit slower, fearful that if we get one of these sort of horrendous summer days, those greens would be baked and nearly unputtable, even for four groups in, in four ball format or something. So anyway, it's, it, was, uh, it was fascinating to see it firsthand and be scared by just how good they are and how the, much of a difference there is between choppers and world-class players. Speaking of whom I, or which, I had the chance to catch up with Jeff Ogilvie and in his role vice as captain. vice captain of the President's Cup international team, uh, he was talking to me about what, what's in store for the four Australians and the other eight other international players. I'm joined by Jeff Ogilvie on Inside the Reps, mate. It, it's, you must be... Uh, sort of pinching yourself that you're going to get involved with this again? I oh, know, right? It's been a, a big kind of exciting part of my golf career, the President's Cup, playing it three times. And then I thought maybe I was kind of done with President's Cups <laughs> or hopefully I could get back in another one. But I was an assistant last time in New York and I had, I had the best time ever. I mean, it's a different experience from playing, but it's just as fun. Um, and another one back at Royal Melbourne. I didn't think I'd see another one in my career as well. So 2011, we're back here in 19. So, yeah, pretty exciting. Have you got any aspirations to take the next one, be the big captain? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's um, they used to do like two or three years, and I think they think they're starting to work out that um, we're going to run out. Of, people are going to miss out if they do too many in a row. So I'm not sure if Ernie's doing the next one, or we're going to have Adam up in line soon because he's played so many of these. And um, I'm just happy to be involved. Yeah. I think uh, there's a bit of pressure on the captain. At least he has to answer all the questions if it doesn't go well. So. <laughs> Um, pretty happy to just be involved and take sandwiches out to the boys and make sure the cuts are cut off and um, keep my home. Just be just be in the mix and to hang out with Ernie Els for a week. I mean, I obviously know the guy really well, but to be to have kind of sixteen or seventeen of the best golfers in the world just having a few beers every night, sitting around talking about golf and in the bus every morning and stuff. It's just something that we just don't get in golf. And uh, 
That's what you guys remember, isn't it? That sort of stuff. Oh, mate, it's not the golf shot. I can't remember President's <laughs> Cup shot. I can remember some of the big ones I hold with big roars and stuff. Um, but really, it's just the, the stuff between the rounds that no one else gets to see. You know, I hung out with Greg Norman and Gary Player and, like, in a really intimate kind of um, setting. And it's just, a, it's just an amazing thrill you wouldn't get without something like the President's Cup. Yeah. And it's a big deal, like, the last few weeks with the um, captain's picks and everything. It really ramps up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And obviously there's the... Uh, not a spanner into the works, but like obviously a big story with Tiger picking himself, which yeah. uh, might have been a little controversial or a little more talked about if he hadn't just won in Japan. But he just dominated in Japan. And I was actually out there early in the week and he was springing around on his feet and he looked like Tiger of old. You know, he was right up for it. So hopefully the long plane fight, he comes off that unscathed. You know, long plane flights are not good for the back because we all want to see him play his best. Yeah. Um, and it's a great thrill for our young guys. I mean, they might never get a chest. A couple of them are going to get to go head-to-head with Tiger, whether it's in best balls or foursomes or singles. Um, we might never, These guys might never get a chance to do that again. I got a chance to do that. Ernie's done that. A lot of these guys have done it. But these guys now get that opportunity. And that's uh, if you looked back and thought, I had a chance to play against Jack or I had a chance to play against Greg or Hogan or something like that, it would have been a really nice kind of memory. And some of these guys are going to, need to have that now. So it's pretty pretty cool. I see Abraham put his hand up first first crack at it. They're all putting their hands up for that <laughs> one. They all, uh, which is what you want to see. You yep. know, you don't want guys to shy away from that thing. Um, the way that the matches get picked in the singles at least is like they go, we go, we go, they go kind of thing. So we may have the opportunity to kind of put who we want up against him or we might see them put him up against someone that he's looking at. So um, it's, it's a little bit more relaxed than the Ryder Cup in that scene. They put their teams in blind and just how it works. We get to go, we get to go against them and they get to go against us. So um, it'll be really interesting to see which guys on the Saturday night, if the match is still interested. They'll, hopefully they're all bouncing off the walls and they all want to play him. Um, but you can't get too Tiger-centric. I mean, the team's pretty amazing. Um, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. I mean, it's like the who's who of world golf at the moment, especially big tournament-playing golfers. So um, there's a lot of good matchups in the President's Cup. Tiger will be one of them. So just happy that Australia gets to see him play again. They might, they might not have had that chance, and he probably won't be back here again. So well, he might be back here, but I don't know if he'll play any golf back here. Um, so, yeah, and at Royal Melbourne, and hopefully we get the weather... We've had some rough ones. Oh, 98 and 11 were both kind of very Melbourne-like weeks. <laughs> Hopefully we can have like an un-Melbourne-like week and maybe have, have a sun shining and light breezes all week and uh, just have a great tournament and we can win. It'd be, uh, the, the tournament will benefit greatly, I think, if we can win one of these. And I think it'll leave a big mark and a legacy in Australia if we can win one because it's an, it's an incredible feeling when you're in these big team events. And if we can kind of walk away with a win, I always do kind of somewhat around the the aftermath of 98 and it was an incredible atmosphere amongst the boys and they carried that confidence for quite a long time so um yeah hopefully we can we can pinch this one and kind of aggravate the u.s a little bit so we kind of get a bit of that friendly animosity like that the Ryder cup has yeah. you know which which adds to the drama of the event like carlton collingwood i mean it's good right Absolutely. um and we don't have that yet because we haven't had too many kind of we haven't won enough and we haven't had too many kind of close maybe many controversies kind of towards the end and that's kind of it'll be good for the event What's a more accurate reflection in the score in Korea or the score in New Jersey? Korea, I think, is more accurate. Um, New Jersey, we just ran into a juggernaut. I mean, they were they were up and about. And when the US get in front, historically, they're very hard to run down. Um, that's what made that Medina, that miracle at Medina thing that Poulter kind of led the charge of in the Ryder Cup so amazing because America are the best front runners in the world. But the Europeans have also shown, like in France, if you can get in front of them, um, some of the toys can come out of the pram a little bit in the middle of the week and you can kind of create a bit of uh, 
kind of rifts in the team, if you like, because yeah. they were they were uh, a bit of a mess by the end of the Ryder Cup in France. So if we can get in front, we've never got in front early in this. If we can get in front and then just hang on, right? Um, we did that in 98 and we just got further and further in front. So I think if we get in front, it's a very level playing field. If they get way in front after day one, I think it's going to be really hard to claw them back. So the, is it the foursomes first? Uh, we're going with best ball first. Best ball. I, like I think the, the home captain has the choice or the, def, the non-winner from last time. One or the other. Someone has a choice, but we have the choice, I think. Um, and I think we're going best ball first, which historically has been better for us than foursomes. Um, and you were forced. chasing last time here at Royal Melbourne, weren't you? Because you we got our butts handed to us in the Trounced. Every President's Cup I've been involved with, we've been trounced in the foursomes early. Yeah. Um, and foursomes is an acquired taste. It's, it's, it's a specific skill, being good at alternate shot golf. You carry a lot of guilt when you play because you don't want to let your team man down. And um, Best ball, everybody loves playing best ball, right? You just swing at it and you try to make lots of birdies. And hopefully, historically, we've, we've been a bit more even in the best ball we've often won the singles but just completely got trounced in the foursome so if we can get off to get in front maybe day two foursomes will do a bit better and um, as I said if we get in front and kind of create a bit of a tension in their camp because they, they probably just assume they're going to win right um, it'll be uh, no, it'll be good um, can you see a specific result being important to something is it a is it a young kid rolling a tiger is it a foursomes halve when you were three down with three to play or is it, or is it something it de- heroic that we can't predict? I guess it depends on how the week kind of un- unravels uh, like kind of unveils itself I mean Madonna's going to be remembered for Poulter's last few holes on Saturday mm-hmm. um, there's there's other ones that are remembered like we lost in uh, my first one in 07 in Royal Montreal but Weirsy had been struggling for a couple of years and he beat Tiger in the singles in Canada and they went ballistic and it was almost a mini victory for us yep. um, you don't really know it'll be fun to see one of the Aussies come with a with a couple tie with Cam or Leash or Adam or something coming up the last few holes with it all on that match, that would be amazing and see the Australian guy win. That would be pretty special. But I mean How Tong's a cool story and Answer's a great story from Mexico. We haven't had a Mexican before and um, they're all great players. You just gotta see how it develops, but it would be amazing to see one of the Aussie boys take Tiger down to win it by a point or something. It'd be pretty amazing. Good man. Best of luck. I know it's a huge week for you. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Hazy. Oh fascinating from Jeff. Like he's always a such a great interview, isn't he? Yeah, not surprisingly, he's uh, he's in demand for television commentary. I'm not sure he's done a little bit. I think he went over to Japan, I think, for the maybe the skins thing and stuff like that. So yeah, he's just very thoughtful and very good. Lives on the course, or you know, his house yeah. looks out over the back of the course, and he's played a number of these. So yeah, and uh, look, it, it's a big. He, he talked a little bit about there about Ernie. Um, Ernie's trying really hard, isn't he? He's he is. trying to. I believe during the year, uh, a number of players were sort of identified as being likely to be in the international team and they've been having practice rounds together and social gatherings and stuff like that to try and engender some uh, camaraderie that's always been the probably the weak point of the international team. Uh, are there nine nine nationalities in the international team? I think it's at least eight and maybe nine. So I think it's that's nine. not easy. Uh, not... Yeah, nine. I think we've got... Four Australians, a Chilean or Chilean, a Mexican, a Canadian, a Korean, a Japanese, and a South African, yeah. and a Chinese, Chinese, and a Taiwanese. Taiwan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's got a bit of everything. Uh, yeah. I, I, one of the things that Jeff said later in the presentation of that day was, um, you know, we are, and it's been said thousands of times, as you just hinted, we're good by Sunday when we're a team. So what they all do at the at the Australian Golf Club in Sydney the week before at the Australian Open is going to be paramount. And it, we're not going to have Sung Jae Im or 
um, how Tong Lee or a few of the guys aren't going to be there. But those who are, plus the vice captain, so Jeff himself, um, Mike Weir, KJ Choi, uh, and Ernie else. Ernie's all, playing. Yeah, yeah, all teeing it up there. And I reckon that not only the body clocks will be spot on, uh, with all the Aussie boys, of course, um, body clocks will be spot on. They'll have had a few beers. I don't think they'll have too many chasing the Stonehaven Cup, but they'll have, you know, they'll have caught up socially. And I think that's a really good start that we haven't had previously. Be better if they were all there, um, as we said last week. Um, Joachim Neiman coming to Melbourne early to we, we can get a feel for the Sandbelt course, which I'm not going to pot him for that. That's a great thing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all starting to bubble together, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know Matt Kaminsky, the uh, head of the Presidents Cup, who we've had on the program a few times, he uh, he made the point in his little speech the other day that you know how many more times are we going to see? And we've we've touched on this before, but. I'll just reiterate it for those people who are out there who are listening and they haven't bought their tickets yet, interstate, wherever you are, uh, Tiger Woods might, this might be the last time you ever get a chance to see Tiger Woods play golf in Australia because there's not going to be a President's Cup here for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Uh, if there is, he probably won't be in the team anyway. Uh, will he come down and play an Australian Open or something like that? Well, I doubt it. Yeah, uh, not. Probably not. No, so, no, this is it. you know, if you've never seen Tiger play or you might have only, you might have seen him at Kingston Heath in 2009 or at Royal Melbourne in 2011, it's, those years are spaced out. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's getting older. He's into his 40s now. Um, get out there and have a look get at him. Get among it. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Now, we're going to take a different tack. We're moving from uh, Victoria across to Spain, Stace. Uh, we, as I said, we're speaking on Thursday, which was the... Morning after, the night before, which was the European Tour Q School finale. The long week. Long week. We started with 12 Australians. We had four of those make the 72-hole cut. And as we speak, it's still relatively new news that uh, only one of those four uh, has made the grade and will play with a full card on the European Tour next year. Yes, with uh, Jake McLeod getting his full card shooting, like, fantastic rounds, six rounds of uh, 14 under total. Read them out for us. Read the numbers, 70, 69, 68, 70, 67, and 70. That's just... And that's just the final stage, by the, the way. final stage. But that, under the gun of six rounds of pressure, that's that's world class from Jake. I reckon that's going to stand him in good stead, if nothing else, just to know that he can do it when he needs to. Yeah, to finish fifteenth. Uh, fifteenth, and admittedly, there was a there was a runaway winner of the of the school. It was Benjamin Polk, who I admit I'd never heard too much of, Blakey or Stacey. No, no, not at all. Uh, Danish player who carded a sixty four in the last round with already a big lead, and he's gone out to twenty five under and won it by six shots. After that, it's a bit of a log jam. So. What, what about Jared Felton? Well, that's the that's oh, the heartbreak yeah. from an Australian perspective, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's missed by one, as I understand it. Correct. Yeah. And he shot a 66 in the last round. So yeah. Jared went through um, probably, I want to say, 31, 32 holes in the first two rounds of the tournament, and he was gone. He was gone. Sort of turned it around the last three or four holes, and the middle two rounds didn't have a bogey. He went four, five under and four under in those two rounds. Sort of forged his way back into it and was always coming – and as it happens, his runs come one short. Um, amazing! Get him uh, having got through to the last uh, for the to the last two rounds. Does that give him some status at all? Uh, Hopefully, he will mm. get a few starts off that status. Is is my mm. understanding? Okay. Um, having made the cut, yeah, yeah mm. that's that's my understanding. So he made five birdies on the back nine this morning, charging towards his card, inc- including one on the eighteenth. 
but he made a bogey on 17. I um, think he might have started on the other side, oh, did he? though. I think he got off to a hot start. Did he? Okay, well, I beg your pardon. I don't mean to correct you there. No, Hazy, that's great. Just for the um, listeners. Please. I think he might have uh, parred the last, like, seven or eight holes. Looking for one birdie. Yes. Oh, it's, it's yeah. agony. <laughs> it's, um, that's even worse. Yeah, it is. And getting off to such a hot start in the final round, I guess, is what, you, what you're wanting, what you're looking for. And then, yeah. And then the, the other side of that, um, not an Australian, unfortunately, but the I guess the story that they were talking about over there was uh, Rickard uh, Kalberg, this Swedish player, a bit of a veteran who's been a few through a few injuries and a bit of a hard time, uh, came to his last hole. I'm not sure if it was the 9th or the 18th now, Stace, now that you oh, say that. sorry. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you pointed it out. He had a 50-footer, Blakey. He was 11 under and he had a 50-footer to get to 12 under and binned it. Wow. To get his card. To get his card. Is that right? Wow. Uh, and that's, they're those wow. storybook sort of things that you, you read of occasionally. Uh, so congrats to him. Commiserations to Jared Felton and also to Dimi Papadados, who finished 65th. Uh, he carded a 70 in his final round to finish four under. Um, and Dean Lawson uh, from the Mighty Kill Lewis shot a 71 to finish at one under in a tie for 72nd or 72nd outright. Um, again, I think they may have some starts, but probably not too many down at that level. Um, one thing that did come out of the eight who didn't make it, Zach Murray, I, we, I was talking to the crew at the Border Mail in Albury-Wodonga this week. Uh, they were trying to do a story on what his status will be and where he'll play next year. At the moment, he's second on the Australian PGA Tour's Order of Merit, yeah. and he's behind Ryan Fox, who's got category status in a higher category than um, the Australian Order of Merit provides. So if Zach Murray were to win or to f- finish Second uh, behind Ryan Fox on that money list, he will get some status next year on the European Tour. Despite, full status, isn't it? Oh, that's what Jake McLeod did, didn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. So despite not uh, having succeeded at Q School last year, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach potentially would have some uh, scope to play, but that's all to play out with the uh, obviously the New South Wales Open. Uh, the Australian Open and the Australian PGA Championship still to come to determine the result of the ISPS Handa PGA Tour of Australasia, Order of Merit. Well said. Wow, that was a tongue twister. What about Ryan Ruffles, mate? Uh, You know, he's been trying to get his uh, Corn Ferry Tour card via the PGA Tour Latino. And uh, my last look, he jumped up to number seven, I think. Yes. So he made a big finish again at the weekend. Um, Yeah. Started uh, sort of well and dropped a couple of shots. Had an eagle on the tenth and a triple bogey on the twelfth. And I think really, when he looks back at this, that'll be the determining factor of what happens uh, for him here. He could have thrown well, it still away. Still got the tour championship, haven't they? They have, correct. Yeah. But he charged back. He made four birdies mm. in his closing five holes, which I think is really testament to you know the status state of mind he has at the moment yeah uh picked up enough money to move from 10th all the way up to 7th and is within two and a half thousand us dollars of number five now and with one tournament to go if he can so the top five get a, a full card full on card. the corn ferry tour he's already yeah. got some limited starts next year via an early season ranking but it's not what he wants he's going to play the q school regardless to try and bolster whatever status he has further but we know now that if he can Knock off the bloke who's in fifth and fourth and sixth ahead of him by more than two and a half thousand dollars. He'll be the proud owner of a Corn Ferry Tour card, which is, you know, it's such a war that he's waging down in South America. It's, he seems like he's done so many good things this year. 
to finish in seventh would be a pity, but um, he's coming and he's always around the mark. So that's great for him, I reckon. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, we've got a million things to still catch up on. But on the other side of this break, we're going to make a beeline towards Grace Kim, the new Victorian amateur champion. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir... If your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Well, welcome back to Inside the Ropes, and we are, as always, delighted to speak to an up-and-coming talent in Australian golf, and there's no brighter talent, Stace, than our next guest, Grace Kim. Yes, very exciting time. Are you with us there, Grace? Yeah, hello, everybody. The current uh, Victorian amateur champion as of uh, yesterday. <laughs> how, are you, uh, how are you feeling this morning, Gracie, after the big win? Yeah, I feel good. I had a big fat sleep in, so yeah, made my day already. Nice one. And obviously, uh, yeah, huge week for you, Grace, um, and taking down fellow, not even fellow states person, uh, another <laughs> another player from your very own golf club, Avondale, in New South Wales. How was it playing June yeah. out there? June yeah, song. no, it was good. Um, yeah, so I played June song, and yeah, I felt really good that we were both um, able to make it like as Avondale ref so um, I was pretty happy that we both made it through so yeah it was a good match. Now Grace I've read uh, that you were embarrassed after your first round <laughs> is that so with the, of course the week started the long week started with the, the Port Phillip Open Amateur uh, yeah that started with a round of 80 for you at Commonwealth Golf Club so probably think <laughs> probably things weren't looking so bright at that point. No, not at all. I um, Yes, like I said before, I was pretty embarrassed. Um, Commonwealth is playing really, really tough. I mean, I didn't get to have a practice round, but um, either or, the course is in great nick, but like the like the greens were just, oh, it was lightning quick. So uh, it, it took me a while to adjust to. So then I had um, an even to back it up the second day. So glad I got better each day. <laughs> Grace, it's Blakey. I just wanted to get... Talk me through the adjustment that you have to make to come from a course like Avondale or, you know, the New South Wales style courses to the Sandbelt. Because when I asked you after you won at Kingston Heath uh, this week, you said, uh, well, now that I've won, I'll say that I love it. But in actual fact, you, you, you don't particularly love it, do you? It's an acquired taste that you're still acquiring, I suppose it'd be fair to say. Yeah, um, so there is no sand belty type course in Sydney, so it was very hard to adjust to. Um, just like the club selection had to be quite precise um, off the tees, um, what club I'd use as well. It, like the fairways just kept running, and um, especially on the greens, I had to, especially Kingston Heath, I basically just went one club down. Um, just to get my carry distances correct and then just let it do whatever it does on the green. So it was out of my control, but I had to do what I had to do. So, yeah, it was it was tough. <laughs> and do you like that style of, of golf, Grace, in the long run? Can you see yourself enjoying it or is it too – you'd rather the dartboard style that we've grown up watching on the American television? Yeah, um, a bit of both. I do like a bit of um, just stop, like land and stop and um, or like just let it run out. I, I don't know. I. If I had to choose, I don't know what I'd choose. <laughs> That's fair enough. 
I'd say you've had a, I would describe it as a stellar sort of 18 months. If we described you as the uh, Youth Olympic champion and you won the Annika Challenge over in New Zealand as well, yeah. which is a, a big, a big deal. Uh, and, you're, and you are in, a, I'd say, a pretty pitched battle with a few girls around the country to win things like the Curry Webb Scholarship on the domestic scene. Mm. Is everything mm-hmm. tracking the way you want it to? Have you got a goal in mind before you want to turn professional? Are you never going to turn professional? What's on the Kim agenda? Yeah, so um, personal goals for this year was just to get um, me in the gym as much as I could to get physically stronger, which I, over time, I do see a lot of improvements. And um, over the next couple of months, I'm going to keep going to the gym and working harder with my coach and the team back in Sydney um, to prepare myself for the LPGA Q School in August next year. Mm-hmm. But then up until then, I'll just play a lot of um, what the Aussie summer, like the Aussie summer schedule and the American summer tournaments. Um, so, yeah, just looking forward to improving and getting better, I guess, with everyone else. So so I asked this of Doey last week, uh, your state teammate, Doey Choi, and, and uh, with reference to her as well now, you've got some great results, but you've also seen girls who you've grown up playing with, as in Dowie Choi, Gabby Ruffles, all take huge steps on the international stage at various points in the last year or so. Does it yeah. inspire you? Does it bug you that it's not you? Does it you know, motivate you to take the next step? Um, I, it definitely, I'm not going to lie, but it does bug me that sometimes um, my teammates done better than me, but isn't that how we all get better? Like we Absolutely. motivate each other, and um, yeah, like it, like Gabby's win and Dowie's win in New Zealand, like that was both amazing. But um, obviously, I was disappointed with the weeks that um, I I performed, but it it um, definitely pushes me to become better. And yeah, I I think we're doing so well as a country. Um, all the girls are doing so well. And the guys, so I'm pretty happy that we're all improving as one. I guess you just kind of use it as uh, motivation, don't you, Gracie? Other people's performance. No, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Grace, I wanted to ask you about your week at Hazeltine on the, the Web Scholarship this year. You obviously went uh, to Hazeltine in Minnesota, <laughs> I think it is, stayed uh, in the yeah. big, big Aussie house, and Hannah Green goes and goes wire to wire and wins did, the major, yeah. which you are in all the photos. There was some amazing <laughs> photos of you and, and Becky Kay in, the, in, the, in your yeah. get-up and stuff like that. But the really hard question I wanted to ask you was, I'm going to ask you a serious question in a minute, but the hard question is, what's it like to share a house with Stacey Peters? <laughs> Is she so? Oh, is she tidy? Is she annoying? Oh my goodness, she's she she, so annoying. <laughs> like, Gracie. it's not even funny. I'm kidding. No, Stacey's awesome to stay with. Um, I don't. She's like, I don't know. She just makes the whole atmosphere so much more happier. And yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and, and in all seriousness, that that week, uh, the photos that came back, particularly from the 18th green with. You know, the joy on the faces of all you Aussies and it must have been pretty awesome and it, and it must give you some motivation again and, and some you must take something out of it for your own career, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said yesterday, um, what Hannah Green was like in our position not like not long ago. Exactly. So that definitely drives me to improve. And um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the fact that I was there to celebrate with her and being in the same house as well. That was just incredible like words can't describe how great that week was i'm going to just 
ask Stacey a question here, Gracie, if you don't mind, because, you know, yep. she's, she's answered the questions a couple of times here, back-to-back, Stace, uh, referring to the growing group of girls coming through. And, and I know that Grace is the perfect teammate. Like, I've seen it in New South Wales uh, level before. Um, it must be really thrilling to you in your role as the female pathway manager to see a collection of girls pushing each other to new heights. Yeah, definitely. I get a huge buzz out of, you know, watching it, being a part of it, tagging along with it, whatever you like to say. Um, And even seeing Grace and Becky with Hannah, like it's just one big, I think, you know, and Hannah is helping those before, like those girls that are coming up through, like that's just motivating these girls and this next crop that's coming. Like, yes, at the grassroots level, but even like the Grace, the Beckys, like them watching that firsthand is so motivating. You can't get anything better. Yeah. Yeah, You really can't. I like I can see the direct lineage from, you know, obviously Kari, but further along, Minji, down through Karis and, mm-hmm. and Hannah. And, Absolutely. And now we've got Grace and Steph Kiriaku and Dowie and all these. Mm. And then you can see the next lot coming up as well. Yeah. And, and these girls, like the, the Minji, the Hannah, like they all want to help. Yeah. Even, you know, and like the Sarah Jane Kempies and that. Like they, yeah. they really do. They want to help this next group. And them spending time with them over the ALPG summer is just going to help and grow this next group that we've got coming. So speaking of summer, Grace, what is on your radar? I know you've got the Dunes medal coming up down on the Mornington Peninsula in the next few days, but uh, where do you head after that? And do we do we see you perhaps at the Women's Australian Open or were you thinking more of the uh, Women's Amateur Asia Pacific? Yeah, so um, in January, like I don't have any tournaments after the Dunes medal up until January, so I have a full month of golf. And um, that's a very tough one. Um, still, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. Still trying to figure out which one I should play, but I think I'm leaning more towards... Oh, actually, I, I'm, I'm not going to say. I don't <laughs> even know. You don't want to say it on air, Gracie. Know. No, I don't. No, that's fair enough. It's a tough yeah. situation that we've been put in here with the, you know, the the preeminent women's tournament in Australia yeah, on the same week as the preeminent amateur tournament yeah. in Asia Pacific. With, the, with the Augusta lure as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is going to be a tough decision. Yeah. for Obviously, we don't know how many like spots that we'd yeah. get in the Australian Open and stuff, but there hopefully will be you know one or two spots and they'd most likely be for those girls that are selected in the Asian amateur. So it's mm. a tough... It's a tough situation for a top tough. Aussie player. Gracie, I want to see you at Royal Adelaide. I just want to, put, I want to, put, oh, I want to fly okay. my colours on the flag. No pressure there. <laughs> no, none at all, mate. None at all. Anyway, congratulations. Oh, we, we will uh, we'll push on and let you get to training because I know you've got an eye on the June. So, uh, Grace Kim, thank you so much. Victorian amateur champion, thank as, you, as mentioned. We always love having you on the show. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Gracie. Well Congrats done, Grace. again. Blakey, always great to hear Grace Kim. What a great little character she is. And you spent She's time, superb, isn't she? Yeah, you spent time talking to her at Kingston Heath yesterday, but you also saw some other great golf. Yeah, so Andre Lorte, uh, who plays out of Kingston Heath, actually won the Victorian Amateur Men's Championship for the second time in a row, which is a decent effort, Stace, isn't it? I, I think uh, Craig Spence, someone told me yesterday, was the last male player to... Win it back-to-back. So he won it at Huntingdale last year. He came in as the favourite. He was four down in his first match play match. Uh, then he made five birdies in a row. Wow. Got up and won that match. That's I guess that's match play, isn't it? You, you can have a week like that. He played Lucas Michel in the final, who, of course, has won the US mid-amateur recently, got himself into the field for Augusta next year. So he had very decent competition. But he, he was very solid. He won five and four. Uh, you know, I think the... 
the elite coaches talk about uh, Andre Lorte, who's in the VIS. Uh, he's got a scholarship there now. They talk about his calmness. He's not. He doesn't overwhelm the golf course with length or anything like that. But he's a really, really good putter from what I've seen, and uh, has a really good temperament. So, yeah, well demeanour. I didn't well done think to altered yesterday. Did it? Like he just didn't. He wasn't high. He wasn't low. Like it was pretty impressive to watch. Actually, it was. It was. I was. Yeah. You know, I, I, He's 20. I thought that he would be looking to turn pro soon, but there you go. You know, there's it changes over time, doesn't it? You've got the Ruffles, you know, Ryan Ruffles situation where he turned very young. Then you've got someone like a Lucas Michel who played in that game yesterday. He's 25 and he still hasn't turned. And, uh, you know, uh, Andre said that he's going to wait another year. So he's going to play the big overseas amateur events this year. Uh, and then he'll have a think about it. And he's got some uni to finish as well. So he said, he basically said, look, I'm a long time. You know, I'm going to play golf for a long time. So, yeah, he's you know, very what, what's the what's the rush? Is yeah. is his point? Very yeah. focused on his studies as well at the minute, which is it's impressive to see. And it'd be the first time when he's the, I guess, the head honcho of the Victorian team in some respects, isn't it? Like he, he's yeah. been waiting to inherit that title from the Michaluzis of the world. Um, be interesting to see how he goes in the interstate series with probably a little bit more expectation on his well, shoulders. He, he'll probably be the number one player, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, the finals were interesting in their own right. I mean, they were both over very early in terms of, um, well, not not that they weren't competitive because the golf was of a high quality throughout the day on both in both men's and women's finals. But the damage was done early by both Grace against June Song and also by Andre. Yeah, they were both five up through eighteen. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Michelle lost two balls on the front, uh, the back nine of the first eighteen. Wow. So and, and that just, he never got that that ground back. It's amazing those those courses. Oh, I love hearing Grace say that she doesn't like it because it's. I mean, I think she'll grow to like it. Yeah, I'm certain she will. Yeah, but it's such a different challenge in Victoria as it is to New South Wales or Queensland. Yeah, she was saying to me. She touched on it in that interview, but she said Steph Kiriaku carried her her bag uh, for her, and Steph would give her a club into the green, and she'd say, "No, nah, I'm taking one less all the time." Mm. Mm. Come on, Steph, what are you doing? Mm. I just want to give a quick shout out to Lewis, Lewis Hoth, who's, uh, I think he was a beaten semi-finalist, Blakey. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he's really starting to make ground, I reckon. Um, a young Queenslander starting to knock on a lot of doors too, and I can't see it being long until he breaks through at a national level as well. So Yes, and the Port Phillip Amateur was the lead up to that. And we should mention Lewis Dobelar from Queensland won the Port Phillip Amateur on the men's side. And Steph Kiriako, who we just mentioned, won the, the women's side as well. So well yeah. done, well done to them. Great, Fantastic. great couple of weeks of golf. Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. It's a great forerunner to the summer, really. We kick off and we go and play a couple of key amateur events in each state for the National Ranking Series. And obviously in the women's side, it all points towards the Curry Webb uh, Scholarship later in the year. So a lot on the line. Um, it's great to see the crew travelling from all over the country to attend. So well done to Grace Kim, Andre Lorte, uh, and all the rest of the fields for some great golf. We're going to take a break. And on the other side of this, we'll come back and return to another uh, favourite of us all in Australian golf, Jack Wilson, who's got something pretty special to tell us. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. 
It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And it's with delight that I always get to speak to Jack Wilson, uh, a favourite of just about everyone who's watched a PGA Tour of Australasia event around the traps in the last five or so years. Uh, always a massive smile on his face. And for the last few years, he's come to be known for some, well, he's become fairly hirsute, shall we, shall we say, Blakey. He's got the, the long locks, which have transformed into massive dreadlocks. And he's also got the fairly all-happening, all-purpose beard. It's a John Butler kind of look. I think John he's Butler gone past trainer. John Butler. Really? Yeah. Anyway, we've got Jack on the line. And it's those very locks that we want to talk to him about. Jack, Welcome along to Inside the Ropes. Uh, they've become a bit of your identity, and you're bravely going to do something for the for out, for the most outstanding cause in Australian golf. I'd suggest. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, um, long time listener, first time caller. So thank you very much for having me. On. <laughs> well, we, we want um, to, we, we, we want to get you in here one day so you can talk about the politics of you know golf in Australia and and your ideas for the future, but. Today, it's something that's probably a little closer to the, I guess, it, it's a it's a far more important cause than just golf, isn't it? Yeah, and certainly something you guys know as well as any um, with your contribution that you guys have put forward. But yeah, I've been very lucky to have the opportunity to come on as a, a Luke the Duck ambassador from earlier in the year. And um, after spending a little bit of time with, with the guys from Challenge and, and more importantly, some time in the hospital with some of the amazing kids that are going through such a terrible time in their life it sort of came came to me you know the idea that you know yeah these these things that some people think are quite disgusting growing off my head that um have become quite like they've become quite iconic i guess and i guess confused the golfing community in australia a little bit um there was a quite a bit of pushback early and and i think there was a there was a bigger message to it but you know to have the opportunity now to to use that platform to get a more important message out there and, and create what could be some incredible funds for such a fantastic cause would be would be amazing and, and it's so much bigger than me and my hair and if we can use that to to generate some funds then that'd be amazing. Okay, so the big plan here for all listening is to donate as much money as humanly possible. Uh, ultimately to challenge cancer, uh, where Luke the Duck is synonymous and has been through Rob Allenby and Jared Lyle and continues to be through Jack and Ricky Fowler. You'll like that I put you in front of Ricky Fowler there, Jack. Uh, But on the second day of the PGA Championship of Australia at the Gold Coast at Royal Pines, Yellow Day in honour of Jared in particular, um, the chance we're going to get the chance to see Jack Wilson shave all his hair off. And if we can raise enough money... The beard might be in danger too, I understand, mate. Hey, mate, let's let's focus on the hair first. I reckon that's a pretty big, uh, pretty, pretty big, pretty big thing. I think we're gonna, you know, yeah. If we can raise enough money, then then my dreads are coming off, and I think that's the that's the goal. Definitely, you know, any amount of hair on my body compares nothing to money raised for for kids, and and in in particular, all all funds raised will go towards building custom-built wigs for kids that lose their hair during treatment. Um, so, you know, it's quite an expensive ordeal and, and one that a lot of families and and kids can't afford um, when they're dealing with all the treatment expenses that are associated with, 
with going through the treatment for cancer. And um, if we can, you know, for every wig that's raised, um, help uh, get my dreads off, then, yeah, look, if we keep raising raising enough money to, to generate more wigs for the for kids that lose that choice to look they want to want to look the way they want to look. And, um, you know, that might seem something small when we sort of say it, but it's it's so much bigger than that. And, you know, I've had the choice to, to look the way I do. And, and unfortunately, one of the one of the things that happen when you, you're going through treatment is you lose that choice to, to look the way you want to want to look and, and feel normal. So if we can give that choice back, then yeah, mate, absolutely. The, the beard will be up for discussion, but yeah. let's just focus on uh, raising enough money to get rid of these dreads and, and give kids that choice back again. Who gets to yeah. shave them off, mate? You might have mate, to get... that's, 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 um, that's still being discussed too. And, and look, if there's someone that's, <laughs> that wants to contribute and wants to be part of that, then you know that that discussion's always open. So, you got any ideas, Blakey or Hazy? Or? Oh, Hazy might be good. I was wondering about Bryony Lyle might not be a bad choice. Mm. Yeah, Bryony's going to be there. I, mm. I think um, she's going to play a bigger part in in all of it than, uh, than uh, that. She, she's the brains trust of all this, and yeah. putting so much hard work to bring this idea to. And she'd probably like to show you. You think you'd have to pay somebody to actually touch your hair, Jack, though? We might have to pay somebody to, to touch there's that. There's this misconception, Stace, that they're, there's animals in there, they're yeah. unhygienic. But, you know, I'm a very hygienic person, as it might not, uh, as it might not be alluded to. No, and they're I very clean. So I fine. believe that. Do you, think the, uh, do you think the chicks will dig it, Jack, when you lose them? Or? I'm happily in a relationship and I'm um, <laughs> hoping that I uh, will still be in a relationship come <laughs> December 21. Great. Good to now, have you. Have you read Jared Lyle, My Story? Uh, and are you aware that it's uh, about to go into a second print? That's incredible. I'm halfway through it. It's, uh, it's one that every time I pick it up, um, I find myself getting through 10 pages or more and have to sort of sit back and take a breather. Um, yeah, a few people have said to us, because uh, for the listeners who don't know, Hazy and I helped Jared put together the book uh, prior to his death. And, um, you know, a lot of people have said, I'm sure, Hazy, to you and me, I've de- definitely had some people come to me and say that they found it very harrowing, to be honest. They loved it, but they found it very tough reading it. Yeah, and you guys have have done such an incredible job. I was there at the book launch and, and listening to you guys talk about it was was super moving and obviously a very tough task for both you boys. But yeah, I'm, I am enjoying reading it. It is, it is tough though. And, you know, sort of knowing Jared, not as well as you guys, but, you know, growing up in the same sort of area and, and now getting to know Brioni as well as I have through my ambassadorship and work with challenge. And, and again, that's all sort of come from, from her. And yeah, it's uh it's a very impressive, impressive ride. And yeah. I just want one last serious question before I ask you something completely stupid, mate. The, your experience now that you've sort of stepped into the realm of ambassador for, for Luke, t- to see the kids, and this is what people who haven't endured it don't really understand, until you go into the wards and, and see what happens, not only to the kids but to the families who have to drop their lives to pick everything up and try and make ends meet, that sense of normality that you spoke of earlier uh, for them is – it's a rare commodity, isn't it? 
mate, it's it's one that like you know just talking about it now and sort of just revisiting the, the couple of times that I've been in there, um, it gets me quite worked up. It's it's something that I can't really begin to understand what they're going through. Um, but to go in there and and just hang out with the kids and and just do stuff that we take for granted, I guess. Um, and you know, I take for granted on a daily basis that they they lose that privilege. Um, yeah. It is it is something special, and you see how much it means to them. And you know, the idea of, of being able to give one of those small things back in the way of raising money to build wigs for for kids that are going through this is, you know, it's an incredibly special opportunity to have that, and and you know to to be able to give back just that little bit. And if I if there's ever any opportunity I can find to, to do that for a cause like this, it's, it's yeah, it's going to be a, not even a question of, of how, it's how much and, you know, yeah, how much I can do. So. You're, a good, you're a good man, Jack. Oh, so how can people empty their wallets to this magnificent cause? Yeah, so if you get head over to any of the social media platforms for Challenge or Luke the Duck or mine, um, the, my bio on my Instagram, there's a link to the donation page on, on the Challenge website. Uh, if you just click the dreaded shave in the donation box there, that'll that'll show us a running tally on how many wigs we've been able to been able to build. And um, yeah, the running total will will keep increasing until December 20, and and hopefully we reach that that goal of yeah of, of getting rid of these these things that <laughs> have been such a big part of my life for the last uh, the last four years and and w- wanted to be for a long time before that. So. Um, so yeah. what, what's your ha- what's your handle on Instagram, Jack? For those who are already following, I can't believe they wouldn't be following. But just just, it's just Jack Wilson Golf, um, and it's at Luke the Duck or at Challenge Cancer. Yeah. Um, make sure you get on board. Follow the journey for the next month or so. There's going to be some really cool content that goes out, but just some incredible information around what this money is going to go towards, and and the incredible cause that is Challenge and, and Luke the Duck. Now I want to. I haven't seen you for a few months. I guess we all reconvene around tournament time, and that's obviously summer in Australia. So I hope and assume that you've still got Riz on the bag this summer. Yeah, Riz is going to be there. He's, you know, he's a he's a well sought after man now. He's, you know, he's got quite a profile, and <laughs> um, he's he's down he's down with me next week at New South Wales Open. But um, he's he's going to miss Australian Open this year, um, which is unfortunate. But He's got other commitments that he hasn't been able to avoid. Um, you know, it's all confidential, but, you know, he's a celebrity now. and no, you know, that's, that's... I, can't, I can't pay as much as what other people are offering, apparently. <laughs> uh, I want to ask if, he's, if his hair is in jeopardy also on the Gold Coast, because he's got quite the mane going as well. He has, yeah, and the beard. He's trimmed it back. It's getting warm up here in Queensland, so he's had to trim things back a little bit. But, yeah, he's still looking as much like the caddy out of Happy Gilmore as ever. <laughs> Um, and as a result, we're like we're going to be doing some work at Presidents Cup this year, which is which is great. And then Aussie PGA is going to be there, and and also we've got the Allenby um, annual fundraiser on the Monday after Presidents Cup down at uh, Peninsula Kingswood, and then the the annual gala dinner for Challenge on the Monday night. So we'll both be there in Melbourne for those before flying up to the Aussie PGA and and getting the last event of the year underway. You're a good man, Jack, and we'll continue to reiterate the, all the ways that people can get involved with this. You, you've, you've, you've touched a lot of people with your you know, just good spirits over the last few years, and I know that what this means to you personally now. So 
Um, everyone, get on board. Jack Wilson, one of the great characters of Australian golf. Mate, we really appreciate you doing this today, and we wish you all the best of luck at the Australian PGA Championship when you get these uh, – well, when you unleash the herds of wild animals that are up in those locks, um, we, we can't wait to see what's underneath, mate. Congrats, and, and it's a great achievement. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I just hope the starters let me tee off on Saturday when I turn up with no hair after playing the first <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they, they will. will. <laughs> good on you. Jack Wilson, <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Guys. Thanks, Appreciate Jack. It. What a good guy, Jack Wilson. He's a beauty. And having mentioned the book, I wanted to mention the book, Hazy, because a couple of people have said to me, it's Christmas coming around, so people are out shopping for stuff, obviously. And um, a few people have said, oh, I can't, can't find the book. But I think a lot of them have run out, which is a good story but a bad story. So uh, Kmart, I know I've got them. Uh, I don't know about Challenge, that Challenge. that we're Yeah, gonna... Challenge has still got them. Yeah, so the Challenge Cancer Network in Melbourne, uh, if you contact them. And I definitely know there's some at Kmart, whether they're in every single store, but just harangue your, you know, your local Kmart if you need to. <laughs> I did get. Um, I got my big W. A big W have it yeah. too. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, I like that you're advocating haranguing. Yeah, just get stuck into them. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know that Lake Press, the uh, publishers, are, are going to because the you know the season of golf's coming around and they've they've got rid of all their books to the bookstores, but that you know they don't know how many have actually sold in the shops. So um, some of them will come back later normally. <sighs> so unless they've all sold, which hopefully they have, but mm. yeah. Um, so they, they're going to print some more. Great. So there's so many little things to uh, to take care of to uh, as we head towards the end of the show here. There's a thousand things to pick up on. I wanted to make reference to a friend of the show, uh, Glenn Nikajewski, who was we you'll remember we had on a few weeks ago. He's the Australian Blind Open champion. Congratulations to the man they know as Juicy. Uh, he picked up the victory in the New South Wales Blind Open um, very recently. So that was Beautiful. a great result for him. Again, he's on a real roll as they build towards a world championship. Um, and just to reference all the other tournaments coming up, we need to know that the New South Wales Open is on next week. So that would be uh, starting on Thursday, the 28th of November at the Twin Creeks Golf and Country Club Stace. Uh, yeah, a a big one coming up. But yeah. the biggest one on the world golf calendar this week is something that's dear to your heart. Well, I think the uh, the last uh, tournament of the LPGA calendar, the CME Championship, Tour Championship. Um, and we've got, so it's top 60 that get to play that top 60 on the money list. And we have uh, this week, we've got Catherine Kirk, Sue O, Hannah Green and Minji Lee playing in that. So I think a good a good result to have four Aussies playing in that. So they're talking it up as the biggest prize in women's golf. And uh, Ever. that, that yep. needs some compl- uh, explaining because the, you know, the US, it's a $5 million US event because they've taken what was the bonus pool last year. So... They had they had it a bit like the men's tour used to have. They had two winners kind of thing. You could win the tournament, and then if you had the right number of points over the season, you would win the bonus. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Aria Jutanagan won the bonus last year. Correct. But yeah. but uh, who won the the actual tour uh, championship? Lexi? Lexi Thompson Lexia. won the tour championship. Yeah. So they've changed that. They've put the bonus pool into the prize pool, and the first prize is now 2.5 million US, which is higher than the US Open and the, the Women's British Open and the Evian and all that. So it's the it's the biggest single prize ever. So And all of all of our four young women uh, have got a chance to win that stage. So I'm just wondering how tired they're going to be. I know that's the same for everyone, but they've just been on a swing of Asia. The Women's Tour does stretch long into the into the year, doesn't it? You know, Yeah, I mean, they have had that big stretch in, in Asia, but they did have a week off last week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm sure not every player, you know, has played all of those Asians, um, Asian events. Um, so, I mean, I think they'll be, uh, they'll be up and about for it. And with this, you know, huge amount of money on offer, I'm sure everyone's, uh, oh, and I even heard, uh, Stacey Lewis was number 60 to qualify. And because of the new, you know, format as in that anyone can win that extra, extra money that, yeah. um, yeah, she wasn't going to take the week off <laughs> yeah. because, oh, because, it, you know, there was so much money on offer and, um, yeah, she'd been injured a little bit and probably would have taken it off otherwise. So what was the biggest first prize you ever played for? Uh, well, maybe US spot? Open. Yeah. No, I, I guess US Open. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a million dollar prize? Uh, I be touch and go. Doubt it. Yeah. Then. Cause it's yeah. increased since I've yeah. stopped playing all those years ago, Hazy. Significantly. And yeah. I, I actually just this morning yeah. saw a release from, uh, Mike Wan, the commissioner of the LPGA tour talking about all those stats and how the, how the women's game continues to grow and rise and yeah. that he signed on for another, another period. Is that right? Yeah. Awesome. I, I'd actually just seen that this morning as well. So I think that's so exciting for LPGA. And also while we're talking about, uh, you know, prize money and stuff, I don't know if you guys saw about the Aon uh, Risk Reward Challenge, which was on oh. the men's side of things. That was what Brooks Kepka won, and that was a $1 million bonus pool. Is and it on most the, birdies or something? On no. the LPGA, um, it is – I think it's – I think it's uh, the res- result on set holes yes, in both tours. that's exactly right. So there's two holes that are nominated each week ah. that are generally like a risk-reward hole. Like, it's not necessarily a par five, but it might be a reachable par five or a reachable par five, mm. four, where, yeah, it, it's a risk-reward sort of thing. And they tally those holes up, give you an average over each week. Does it, have I explained That's that? That's right. right. Yeah, Spot yeah. on. Um, and so Carlotta Seganda, the Spanish girl, won the a $1 million purse that was announced um, this week, which was equal to uh, Brooks Kepka's. So um, it's uh, encouraging... People who attack yeah, the golf right. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. yeah, that's good for her because she's been so consistent this year and, oh. and you know, regularly at the top of the leaderboard. So awesome. good, good for her to cash in. Um, yeah, so very, very happy for her. So out of our four, who do you who do, who would you fancy to take this out this week? I, I think Minji Lee. Yeah. Uh, somewhere along the line, she's so consistent. Uh, somewhere along the line, she's going to get it done. Yeah. How how is her season? But you know, like she's as much as I think a lot of attention has been on Hannah this year with the win and, yeah. and a major, so two wins. Sorry, um, but Minji's actually had nine top tens, four second places, <laughs> and a win, and uh, a win. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. But and I'm thinking like Suo has been in great form yeah. in that Asian swing. I don't yeah. think we can write her off either. No, no. And uh, just as you, while you raise that, what about the Greg Norman medal this year? Minji Lee won it last year for her season. She'd be in the mix again, but Hannah Green would be in the mix mm-hmm. again. Yeah, we, we could have Minji a, was the first woman to win that, that award. Yeah. So We could have a, a women's one-two here. Yeah, definitely. The Greg Norman medal, which would be fantastic. Yeah. And speaking of Hannah Green, I just want to remind people that uh, you can get and vote on the through all the Australian Institute of Sport channels. It's the uh, ABC Sport Personality of the Year Award. We all, me in particular, bitched and moaned about the fact that Hannah wasn't um, uh, nominated, represented, nominated for the yeah. Don Awards a few weeks ago. She has been nominated as a finalist in the ABC Sport Personality of the Year Award for the at the AIS Sport Performance Awards coming up in a couple of weeks in Sydney. You can get on and vote for that. Um, she's also in the sporting moment of the year category. So if you are adamant as I am about her lack of recognition for her achievements, here's your chance to get on board via the AIS, uh, all the different social channels, Stace. That's something I know you'll be doing. 
how many computers have I have I voted on? Hey, um, yeah, no, definitely. Everyone get behind uh, Hannah. We know she uh, she deserves the recognition. Staying overseas, Blakey, there was some news out this morning that the Hong Kong Open had been cancelled due to the unrest. It's, it's been postponed. I don't know. Postponed, yeah. that's probably uh, Yeah, because of the troubles. Yeah. yeah so. so sad news for the Hong Kong uh, golf fraternity. They intend the European tour, that is, to reschedule it with the Asian tour uh, in early 2020 if things sort of calm down a little bit. But what it has done is it's created a couple of spots on the uh, on the golfing calendar. I, know that I noticed that Eddie Pepperell, was among them on social media today saying, I am now at a loose end that week. What should I do? It's funny you should say that. I, I didn't know that. But, but when I read that, the first thing I thought was, I wonder whether some of those guys will come and play the Australian Open. Well, it's New South Wales Open. Sorry, New week. South Wales yeah. Open that week, but then the following week. Yeah, well. Um, so I know a lot of people have been straight on to dog Eddie. Dog. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people have been straight on to Eddie Pepperell and say, mate, get down to Sydney. You can play, stay for two weeks, play the New South Wales Open. That'd be great. We'd probably find him a spot, I reckon, I in the Australian so. Open. Stace, what do you yeah, reckon? I think we could pull some strings. <laughs> Speaking of the Australian Open, as I try and cobble together some segues here, Blakey, Australian Open Radio. Seamless. Seamless. Oh, yeah. Australian Open Radio was announced. Uh, it's coming back this this week. Um, we'll all be part of that. Yeah. I, I know that um, there's been a lot of call for for Matt Cutler and you know and yourself back to the fan big, club. The big news is that Stacey Peters is uh, is going to be front and center in in way bigger form than previously. Wow, I am very excited you, about this. Opportunity. Have you caught any live golf? At all? Never, ever. So I reckon and apparently our... you've got to be quiet. So <laughs> oh. how do you think I'm going to go? Stace, so many funny things happen in that. You know, <laughs> Hazy and I have both done it for a few years. We didn't do it last year because we didn't have a radio last year. But there's a couple of incidents. There's one incident where uh, I was watching at uh, the Australian. Uh, I think it was Rory McIlroy might have been playing and Jeff Ogilvy. And I've got the cans on my ears and I'm really focusing and concentrating. And, and uh, I think it was McIlroy. might have been Spieth. Hit it in the water uh, at this par four. And Jeff Ogilvy, who I obviously know, you know, pretty well. Jeff Ogilvy's yelling out to me, Blakey, Blakey, Blakey. And I'm like, what's going on here? I can't really hear him because I've got the cans. And so, and I was on the air at the time calling the shot. Uh, so I'm thinking I'm talking too loud. I've upset them. I've caused this problem. I, I, automatically, I panicked. I took the can. I said to the, you know, I, I said to the boys on the air, I said, look, I, I'm going to have to go. Jeff Ogilvy wants to talk to me. So <laughs> not I'll that go, you're not important, took, but I've got to go. Took the cans off and he said, did you see whether that carried the hazard line? <laughs> oh, I was so relieved, you know. And there was one other incident where I walked in front of a group because I was concentrating on what was going on the air and I just walked straight in front of them while they tried to drive it. And they were trying to get me out of the way and I couldn't hear them. So our we, we actually have a lot of fun with it. So yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Our favourite thing, Stace, is Blakey in the Australian Open Radio um, guys is one time we sent him out to a far-flung corner of the course. We, he had to sprint out there to catch a hot group. By the time he got there, he'd, he'd, like he'd run half a half marathon. And we said, Blakey, can we cross? And he's he's panting like he's a dog in 45-degree heat. So uh, Blakey's got a few. I'm not uh, alone in that, though, either, am I? Uh, oh. We've heard you doing with a panting. No, I haven't done any double O double five workout on the course, Blakey. Don't worry about that. Now, we should touch on all the Aussies around the world that we haven't already done. Um, of course, this week we had um, the final event uh, on no one one event to go. Sorry, the second last event on the PGA Tour for 2019. Aaron Baddeley and Matt Jones, who are both coming back, we announced that at the start of the week for the Australian Open uh, as past champions. Two of 12 past champions who are going to be in at uh, the Australian in December. 
Bads 26th and Matt Jones 33rd in Maya Coba. Um, yeah. Did either of you see the carnage around, oh, before we talk about Brendan Todd, Blakey, mm. the Matt Kuchar incident, despite his hole in one, he had something else bad go wrong there? No. No, didn't see. He was forced to front up and basically <laughs> talk to a media conference about the shafting of the caddy earlier in the year. Oh, wow. because oh, he was he's back not, at Maya Coba. This yeah. is he's the not story. getting away with this, is he? No, and I love it. This is the story that never goes away. Yep. And he, would you believe he talked about his disappointment at letting his grandmother down because his grandmother taught him better ethics and it's put a bit of a pall on his 2019. Um, I believe that caddy was working at the tournament as well. He was. Mm. He played with another player or cat mm. looped for another player who missed mm. the cut. Um, and do you reckon he was happier with that? He wasn't <laughs> going back to Cooch, was he? He wasn't going back to Cooch. But apparently yeah. Cooch has made good... Uh, the bonus $45,000 that he should have just given him that and more to start with, plus... I don't know why it was unspecified, but he's made good with the local people as well. So oh, he didn't he? didn't oh. get flogged on the tee, which is it is what it is. Um, I'm sure that he'll be reminded of that when he comes to Royal Melbourne in a few weeks. Blakey, what about Brendan Todd? Well, what an unbelievable story! Uh, I read this morning that he was he was one for one hundred and uh, sorry none for one hundred and seventy six on PGA Tour starts. He hadn't won in his first one hundred seventy six. He's now won two in a row. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing story of someone who's come back from, you know, having the swing yips. And uh, the other aspect of it, of course, which you would have mentioned last week, I think, Hazy, was that he's coached by Bradley Hughes. Yeah. Uh, Aussie's own Bradley Hughes, whose videos I sit and watch on YouTube all the time when I'm he's trying good to man. find a way to improve my, my game. It's uh, Hugo is having a, a very good run. He is. Brandon Todd was 83rd in the world after this week. Uh, that compares with... It. When he missed the cut at Pebble Beach in June, he was ranked 1,011th in the world. He's now 83rd. So it shows you how quickly it can turn around. I wonder whether Tiger sort of gave half a thought to bring him down to the President's Cup when, when uh, Kepka pulled out. Mm. He'd, he'd have to be in the mix. Well, maybe a couple more weeks. I want to give just put a list of names in front of you both, and I want you to tell me what the, the linking factor here is. Uh, Rika Badabasaga, Luke Reardon, David Luteris, Steve Williams, Cole Swatton. No? Crickets. I'm getting crickets from you two. Uh, has ca- have caddies. caddied. Caddies for Jason Day. He's had six caddies or five caddies now. And he missed the cut. Since he missed the cut badly. He shot a 77 in the second round there at Mayakoba. You might get called up, do you think? Uh, no, no. I think you might have heard a couple of things I've said about him on this podcast <laughs> in the last few weeks. So probably not. He's not going that well. No, he's not going that well. Um, mm. He said he's had a back injury all year. He spoke about it after his second round, that it is slowly coming better. But he talked about the revolving door and he and admits mm. for the first time that it's not good. So David Luteris, who's from South Australia, a former touring pro, a very good one, um, has done some amazing things himself as a player. But he's he's now uh, onto his fourth caddy in, in his many months, pretty much. So Luteris is on the bag now? Luteris is on the bag now. I don't yeah. know whether he's going to be here for the Australian Open. I don't know. I can't say that. But, um, yeah, I just really hope Jason can find some peace and some regularity in his golf and everything around him um, because we won't see the best of him until we do, in my belief. Yeah. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, definitely. I didn't know there'd been six. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's to the point where he's actually having to address it at media conferences now. So, you know, it is getting to a, a, a point where it's uh to be know, honest he, he did his best work with Cole on the bag oh, his coach. there's no doubt about that yeah yeah uh Stace I'm not sure if you saw this and this is absolutely a question without notice but there's a new Again. world a- oh well I'm just throwing a match now world amateur golf rankings changed this morning did you know that yes yeah, so I had actually it was Matt Cutler that mentioned that to me 
Yeah, there you go. So, Blakey, there's going to be a whole new, uh, I guess, methodology put across the world amateur rankings so that your win in the 1995 stall open is no longer going to be counted so that you'll find it easier to get a modern current result in, but your old ones will drop off. Oh, okay. So your world ranking will finally disappear. Yeah, well, it is. Mm. And and, uh, I think it's going to be a boon for Australian players who can uh, sometimes struggle to get the recognition they need from our tournaments here to push out because if they can do something good in a couple of the national ranking series events without having done anything previously, they'll shoot up quickly and some of the Americans who did something in college three or four years ago will fall back down. So it's full rankings points for the first year and then on a sliding scale through the second year, I think it's 2 or 3% every week your points will drop off and by the time it gets to two years, Stace, no more ranking points. And yeah. who are our top? Yeah. Who would be our top ranked amateurs as we speak? That would put you on the spot. Would it be oh. uh, Carl Gabby Phillips? And, Carl Phillips, and Gabby, Gabby, Gabby Ruffles. Yeah. Um, both playing in America, playing in American events with other high ranked players. Yeah. Which goes to prove the point. Not not yeah. dim- diminishing those two. They're fantastic players, both. But um, you would like to think that someone who was shining domestically had the chance on an equal footing on the world stage. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's hope it'll that be one... interesting to see what adjustment you know. Who, uh, who moves with those rankings? Yeah, it will be. It'll be very interesting. Uh, I think we're coming towards the end of the massive long list. Have you got I've anything, got, uh, European tour. Did we watch a bit of the Ned Bank where Tommy Fleetwood rattled home with a 65 to win uh, the first prize, beat Marcus Kinholt in a uh, playoff, uh, spun one back kind of, or not spun it back, just bumped it back off a um, sprinkler head near the green at one point. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was following Louis Oosthuizen, who's one of my favourite players. Love watching him swim. Swing, uh, he just under pressure. Louis, he can, he can fall away. He shot forty on the back nine. I really thought he should have won that. And uh, the big news from an Australian point of view, and that was that Jason Scrivener of Perth uh, finished tied third. He's just had a really consistent season. Uh, Jason Scrivener, um, he's won nine hundred and sixteen thousand euro this year. And he played himself into the field for the uh, Dubai World Championship this year, this week. That's phenomenal, great result. And there was Scotty Hend uh, also is in the in the European Tour Championship. I think he took the last spot. Awesome. Uh, Finished tied forty eighth in South Africa. Almost weekly, we talk about the great results put up by the Australian men in the Japanese Tour. Matt Griffin was the pick of them this week, tied thirteenth. Brad Kennedy tied thirteenth with him alongside him at two under. I know that puts Brad Kennedy almost safe into that uh, tour championship that he spoke of a few weeks ago with us, which unfortunately will rule him out of um, the Australian Open, but great to see him getting a chance at the big money up there. Anthony Quayle, Dave Branston, Brendan Jones, Dylan Perry and Adam Bland all banking checks up there, Stace, uh, in mm. Japan. Good, good. And also on Japan note, uh, we like to always mention Karis Davidson on the show. Um, Karis has got her last event actually starting today as we record, last event of the season barring probably a win for her. Um, but she's 53rd on the money list. Top um, top 50 keep card or 55 keep status. So What's the difference between card and status? Um, that next, you will get limited starts okay. in that next little bracket. Um, so she's actually quite a way out of top the top 50, but she's 500,000 yen ahead of 55th. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed for Karis this week and, uh, yeah, hope she can kind of put it together. She's, yeah, she's, she's been a bit unlucky the last few weeks, missing cuts by one or two and played some all right golf. But, yeah, 
So hopefully uh, come Sunday night, it'll be a different story. We'll get to see her a bit more in the Australian Summer of Golf, the women's leg of it later in the year or later in the in the season, I should say. Definitely. A shout to Terry Pilkadaris, the yeah. uh, the fourth in Asia, fourth in the Panasonic Open in India. He's a can't pull him off. Doesn't know when to stop, Terry. He's a great man. Uh, Eleven under, finished fourth there behind Ju uh, Hyung Kim. The winner, but also Travis Smythe and Adam Blythe were also pretty handy there as well. So good to see Trav picking up a check in India. Blakey, that's how we end up all the, um, I guess, the player news. Um, unfortunately, it's a, it's a sad duty. I'm going to leave it to you to talk about something that was dear to your heart and mine. Yeah, look, uh, it's been a sad week. Look, George Begg was the uh, Secretary of the Australian Golf Riders Association for 22 years, and I believe he was on the executive for even longer than that. And George passed away this week. He's been ill uh, for a, quite a long time. Uh, Sanctuary Lakes member out in uh, the west of Melbourne. Prior to that was a member at uh, Werribee as well. Uh, Georgie, uh, you know, I spoke to him about a week ago and he was talking about going up to Sydney to the Australian Open because we have the Australian Golf Media Association annual dinner there. And he, he you know, he loves being involved in that. Unfortunately, um, he hit the wall this week and uh, he has uh, passed away. So uh, I just wanted to pass on my sympathies to his wife, Sue, and, and his family. He was a very lovable character. I know that you two both knew him, uh, you know, quite a bit as well. And a lot of people around, there's been a big reaction to to this uh, just on social media. And there was a big email ex- uh, chain going yesterday with people who were very shocked and upset about it. So sympathies to the family and uh, we're going to miss George for sure. He here. He's the lifeblood of that organisation. Um, just carried on beautifully by yourself and, and Brendan James. But uh, for so long, he's the he's the man who's kept it all together. Um, and he's in so many ways, he and others, Peter Stone, etc., with a link between the previous generation and the current generation, and making sure that we all kept uh, very mindful of the history of Australian golf and where we've all come from. In a golfing sense and a media sense, um, you're going to be missed by a lot of people, George. I echo Blakey's sentiments. It's a sad note to wrap up inside the ropes, but it's only fitting that we pay respect to a you know a, a legend of the Australian media scene in the golf front. Stace, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Great show, guys. Blakey, really appreciate your time and Thanks, steering Andy. me along here. Okay. All good. When's Andy back? Andy's going to be away for another week or so. Uh, next week on episode 130, uh, we do another special video edition, and we're going to have, I hope, fingers crossed, and I apologize if this doesn't work out, but a very special guest in Mark Leishman joining us. Uh, Matt Kaminsky from the President's Cup will be back along. Awesome. And you'll get to see the uh, inimitable Ali Whitaker take the reins because nice. we need someone who's far smoother than I in steering the ship. So, Blakey, we were right. They wanted Whitaker for the video. Uh, we were I... right. <laughs> So no offence taken. Hurt. No offence taken on my end. Blakey's a little hurt, more hurt than me. But... No, I thanks, guys. You both will, you you'll recover, both of you. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, we join Ali Whitaker and myself, and I think Blakey next week as we go into a special video show uh, for episode 130. For now, it's 129. Thanks for listening. That's been Inside the Ropes.